is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think out of all the writings that we call the Psalms, all 150 of them, I don't think there's more quoted or more recited or more well-known Psalm than Psalm 23. In fact, I think in all the writings of the entire Old Testament, I don't know if there's a piece of scripture that is more recited more spoken, uh, more interpreted into poetry than Psalm 23. Everyone's familiar with it, even like non-believers, even people that aren't in church, they could probably quote at least the first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It is a psalm that has been brought into so many things, but I think in many ways it's also a psalm that's been a little bit misunderstood, if not misused. Because for many of us, we link Psalm 23 with death. We linger with death because it's read often at these funeral ceremonies, right? If you go into a, a funeral home, you're going to see it like framed on a wall, right? It's, it's in our sympathy cards. It's, it's read at these, uh, our wakes. And, and it's read because of this one line, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so it's been very linked to the dying. But today what I want to do is link Psalm 23 to the living because it is a psalm for life. In fact, it is a psalm about David's very living relationship with the very real and living God. That's why he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. This is a psalm for life. And so today, I just thought, how, how awesome would it be? What a great excuse for us to study Psalm 23 in the year 2023. And we're going to be looking for this Sunday and next Sunday at, at what are the truths about the psalm that maybe we've read and heard a thousand times that have we truly always understood exactly what God was saying in Psalm 23. How many of you in this church, just by a show of hand, own any pets? Anyone own pets, right? Wow, quite a lot of you. Why don't, why don't you take like a second, share with the people in the front of you or the back of you, like what, what kind of pets do you have? Like, if you're online, you can comment for us, like what kind of pets do you have? I see some of you are still talking. What do you like, live on a farm? Like, is it Daniels? Yeah, the Daniels family. Are you guys in church, Daniels? Yeah, like don't ask them. They'll be talking all Sunday, right? They have like hundreds and hundreds of animals. But uh, I don't know if you've ever gone to someone's house and you've seen their dog or you've seen their pet and you haven't, made, maybe you haven't said this to them, but you've thought to yourself, they really should not own a dog. Like, have you, ever, have you ever been there and you've like, you've, you've seen how the animal's treated and you thought to yourself, 
these people should not be pet owners, right? I mean, just for example, I mean, here's an extreme case. I was in Iswatini last year. We are doing missions in a very extreme, like, section with a lot of poverty. In fact, uh, the families were struggling to feed their children, and so the community was, like, had this big soup kitchen. It was very moving. They were trying to get money. There was no money from the government. It was, like, completely privately funded just to give these kids at least one meal a day. But guess what these families had? There were dogs, like, in so many of the houses, and, like, they looked terrible, right? Their, like, hair's falling out. Their ribs are poking out. They, they looked like half beaten up. And you just look and you think, these people are like, why do you own a pet? Like, you should not own dogs. Have you, ever, have you ever, like, seen someone and you thought, dude, like, you should not have that thing. So, I mean, that's one extreme. On the other extreme, you've got people that, you, you've got these people that just go overboard, don't they, with their animals. Like, they knit little sweaters, right? Like, golden diamond necklaces. You're like, can I be your dog? It's like... <laughs> Your dog, your dog eats better than me, lives better than me. Like, you, you just get those people that, like, they take such good care of their pets. Like, the Paris Hiltons of the world. Like, you know, she's just known for, like, just, you know, carrying the little dog around everywhere. And, and so you look at these two extremes, and you might look and say, that is too much. Like, you should not treat an animal that's way too pampered, way too luxurious. But can I just say that if you were the dog, and you got to choose... Which owner you wanted? Guess which one you would take? You wouldn't take the guy that barely feeds you. You would take the Paris Hilton of the world. Right? You're like, I want to be, and I just find like Psalm 23 is this. It's David boasting about how good his master is. It's David boasting about how good his shepherd is, how good the one is that looks after him, how well he provides for him, how well he cares for him. And guys, I find it so significant that it's David. Because let me remind you that David was a shepherd. Now, it would be one thing for me to write, the Lord is my shepherd. Wouldn't have much meaning because I've never been a shepherd. Big surprise, right? But David grew up, most of his life, his childhood, he was a shepherd. He knew the effort. He knew the care. He knew the responsibility of looking after these sheep and protecting them and feeding them and walking with them at all times and lying in front of them at night so that nothing dangerous could come. And so when he looks at how he's looking after these sheep and then he makes this connection and he says, the way that I tend for these guys and look after them and protect them and care for them, that reminds me of this relationship I have with the Lord. And then he says in Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I find that because he was a shepherd, it makes it even more special and significant. And so David writes us from the perspective of a shepherd, and he doesn't stay talking about God as a shepherd the whole way through. In fact, this psalm takes place in three different settings. In verses 1 to 3, we see him in the field. Everyone say the field. And this is where he's talking about God as a shepherd. But in verse 4, David changes that. And he talks about a valley. And when he starts talking about the valley, he goes and he's no longer talking about God in the third person. He's talking about God now in the first person. He's talking now directly to God. And how many of you know that it's often in the valley that you and I are brought right close to God? God is no longer a concept. He's no longer someone we talk about. Now he's someone we're talking to. It happens in the valley in Psalm 23 verse 4. And then in, Psalms, in, in verse 5 and the rest of the psalm, we see David moving out of the valley and he moves to the table. He moves 
from the outdoors to the indoors. He moves into the house. And so the psalm takes place over three settings, a field, the valley, and the table. And today we're just going to be looking at the field. Next week we're going to be looking at the table and the valley. And I pray we get new insights because I think there's something really special that God wants to share with all of us in Psalm 23. Now, as we look at this, we see this correlation between people and sheep. And sometimes some people have found that offensive because how many of you know that sheep are dumb? Now, the good news is you're not just a sheep. You're also a redeemed son or daughter of God who's been like bought with a high price. You're not just a dumb sheep, but all of us have sheep tendencies. And that seems to be what the psalmist is pointing to, the sheep tendencies inside of all of us. In other words, sometimes you do dumb stuff. You do. I do. Look at someone in the eyes and tell them the truth. Sometimes you do dumb stuff. Even Isaiah alluded to this. And Isaiah 53, again, us being likened to sheep, he says in verse 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've left God's path to follow our own. But I want you to see what happens with our faults or all our dumb stuff and all the things that we've done wrong. It says, yet the Lord laid on him, who? Jesus Christ. He laid on him the sins of us all. Isn't this beautiful that Jesus has taken care of our dumb stuff? But all of us like sheep have gone astray because this is often what happens. We like sheep can go astray. That is what sheep do. Just because they have a shepherd doesn't mean someone the sheep are following. In fact, back in 2005 in Eastern Turkey, some of you might have heard about this story. There was a group of shepherds who got together and uh, they, they, they brought all of them together. They had about 1,500 sheep. And they left them in one field as all these shepherds went off to lunch. And you would think these shepherds would know better, but no one stayed behind to look after the sheep. So these 1,500 sheep in a field, all the shepherds are there having breakfast. And while they're having breakfast, one of the little sheep goes to the edge of the cliff and thinks, well, that looks fun, and jumps off and dies. The other sheep look at him going off the cliff. And you know what they think? Oh, well, he must know what he's doing. He must know where he's going. And so one by one, these little sheep start jumping off the cliff while all the shepherds are off at breakfast. By the time the shepherds get there, 400 sheep had already jumped off the cliff and died. The loss was about 1.2 million rand. I'm not kidding you. I'm not pulling the wool over your eyes. Why did they do that? Because sheep are dumb. And sometimes they follow the wrong thing. And what is David showing us? He's showing us what happens when you and I follow someone else. He's showing us what happens when we treat the Lord and acknowledge the Lord as our shepherd, which means we follow him without, like, without reason. We're just saying, I will do, I will do whatever you say. I'll go wherever you go. I'm following you. I will follow you blindly, God. And David shows us that when we choose to follow the Lord and nothing else and not other things, when we follow him, there is blessing that comes in our life. In fact, there's a few blessings that come from, from acknowledging that the Lord is a shepherd and I will follow him alone. And the first one is we see 
David mentioned right there in verse 1 when he says, The Lord is my shepherd. In Psalm 23 verse 1 he says, I have all that I need. I have everything that I need. This shows us the first blessing that comes from following the Lord as your shepherd. And it's a blessing of provision. Everyone say provision. Provision comes when we acknowledge the Lord. There's this divine provision, this divine supply from following the Lord as our shepherd. From saying, I will go where you go and I will, I will follow wherever you lead me. There is divine provision. There, there, in, in, in some translations it says, I have no lack or I shall not want. I have everything that I need. And you know what I find amazing is that we have so much more context now because we have the New Testament and we have the teachings of Jesus Christ. We, we have got more to reference than David even did. Uh, we can now reference Matthew 6.33 which says, Seek the Lord and, and His righteousness first and then all these things will be added to you. We have the teachings of Jesus where He says, Hey, the Gentiles worry about those things because they don't have a covenant relationship with the Father. But you don't have to worry about those things. David couldn't go turn to Philippians 4 and read that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches that are found in Christ Jesus our Lord. He couldn't do it. And yet he knew that God was a provider. And he knew it because of the relationship he had with him. And this should build up our faith to know if David could even know that in the Old Testament, how many of you know we can know it because we have new, even newer promises of God. Fresh promises about the provision of God. And so the first thing that's going to happen when you and I follow the Lord as our shepherd is we have assurance of His provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. But notice this. It does not say the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I greed. And church, there is a massive difference between the Lord looking after your needs and the Lord looking after your greeds. And often as a sheep, we're waiting for God to kind of meet those greeds in our life when He's met our needs, and we end up as discontented sheep, sheep that aren't happy with what they really have, right? There was this guy uh, by the name of Philip Keller, and he wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And the reason he wrote it, he, he grew up in East Africa, and then he was employed as a shepherd in Canada, so that's what he did for a living, and eventually became a lay pastor. And so he was writing from the perspective of a pastor who was a shepherd. And he writes these words. He says, I remember in my flock there was this one particular little ewe lamb, a female sheep, who had a beautiful constitution, beautifully formed, but was always discontented. He called this little ewe a fence crawler because no matter what pasture he put the sheep in, she was always looking for other pastures. He said, my pastures were the greenest pastures in the area, but I had this one little sheep who would always move to the edge and look out to see what is on the other side. He eventually called her Mrs. Gadabout because she was always gadding about looking for other pastures. A sheep who was never content with what the shepherd had provided. And I wonder how many of us end up being the little gadabout sheeps Always looking, God, I'm not really happy with what you've given me because I see that they have a little bit more. If you want to kill your joy, compare your life to someone else. And why do we always compare up? We never compare down. I'll show you some families in Itwatini, and you will rejoice for what you have. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I want, all that I need, all that I need. You have all that you need when the Lord is your shepherd. But the problem is we don't have all that we greed. And so often we become discontent. But I want to remind you, contentment doesn't come from what you have. It comes from whom you have. And you have a good shepherd. I think what often happens is we almost in some part of our lives feel like the shepherd. We know he's good and that he could, but he's holding out on me. Like he could do more. He could give more. And so there's this core belief that maybe the sh- my shepherd's not really that good to me. Because I've seen him do more for someone else. And so it ends up in comparing and, and jealousy and contentment. I mean, not contentment, coveting. Like we look at someone else and say, I want that, Lord. This isn't good enough. What I have now isn't good enough. And so we trust God like, God, I want more. And it all comes really down to what do we see as good when God has promised to provide all that you need? What do you see as good? Because let me remind you, in the New Testament, when all these men of God are talking about the amazing blessings of God, do you know where they're writing it from? Mostly prison cells with nothing in this life. They are not writing this while flying in their private jet to California, right? Right? They're writing this, and yet they're talking about the abundant blessing of God while they have no physical property. Why? Because they understood what was truly good. And let me tell you, church, God, the good shepherd, has given you everything you need. Now, in terms of physical things, there are some promises of God. He's promised that you'll have food to eat and clothes to wear and a place to sleep. But that's it. In terms of physical stuff, that's how far it goes, right? So you can't be that cheap that demands like, God, I don't have everything I need. Where's my Mercedes Benz, man? Where's my mansion? I want to be in Bunkenfeld, and now I'm not there. Like, what's going on, God? I still need more. No, no, no. Church, that's not how it works. Now, God does that for some people, but that is not the overall promise to his children. What he said is, what he's promised you, church, is the real good stuff, the true riches This God who's given abundance and then overabundance, a true blessing of God. You know what it is? It's his unfailing love, his constant attention, his never-ending presence, his peace that is above understanding, his joy that is unshakable, his healing that gets given to me. It's these things, this treasure, the true treasure of God is given to you. He gives it without holding back. He gives it in abundance. You can just imagine God kind of we grumbling, right? Like these sheep, God, this pasture's not good enough. This isn't good enough. And then God kind of looking at Jesus on the cross and saying, yeah, I have done it all. I have spent it all. Like I, I have gone to the extreme. I've given my only son. He's good enough. We have a good shepherd who has given us all that we need. And the first thing we get as we follow him is our heart starts to shift and we realize, man, the stuff of this world, his blessings is not rands and cents. It's love and mercy and forgiveness and eternity. And that is a true treasure. And it's so much better than the stuff of this world that anyway is going to be here one day and gone the next. The first blessing that comes when you follow the shepherd is you get true provision. David goes on in verse 2, he says, 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. The second thing that you and I have access to when we follow the Lord as a shepherd is rest. Everyone say rest. Uh, isn't rest good? I love that there's nothing a sheep loves more, by the way, than a green pasture. Lying down. You don't even have to move. You can just eat where you sleep. It's like literally eating your mattress. Isn't that a great idea? Hey, imagine like those of you looking for a good business opportunity in 2023. Here it is. You've heard it your first. An edible mattress. Make that mattress out of built tongue and you wake up and you... I don't have to leave your bed. Oh, it sounds like a dream. Come on, guys. That sounds like a dream, doesn't it? So good. This is what it's like for a sheep to be led to green pastures. I'm just going to sleep on my food. It's comfortable and edible. It's beautiful. It speaks about rest. And I love this idea of, of lying down. Because how many of you know when, it's when I lie down often and my body has stopped that I realize my mind is still going. Ever been there? You're trying to go to sleep and your mind won't let you. Your body isn't moving an inch and yet your mind is going at like 300 kilometers an hour. But do you know that when you follow the shepherd, he leads you to rest? A great question to ask, by, by the way, when you find yourself in that place where mentally you cannot rest, you've got to ask yourself in that moment, church, who am I following? Because the shepherd will not leave me here. He will not take me to this place. He takes me to rest. So what am I following? What belief have I followed that has led me to this place? What belief have I followed that has taken me to this place of anxiety when the shepherd wants to give me rest? If you follow him, you find rest. Jesus echoes a sentiment when Jesus is teaching. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy, heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You're going to find it in me. See, when your bodies are tired, sometimes it's because you're mentally drained. And when you're in that place where you cannot find the rest, follow the shepherd. That's what I encourage you to do. Follow the shepherd. You know, ladies, you're going to love this. Um, there's a guy called Leonard Sweet, and he said this. He said, God did his most magnificent work while Adam was asleep. For those of you who don't know what it's talking about in Genesis, he makes Adam go to sleep, and then while Adam's sleeping, God creates something beautiful. All the guys, would we agree? Didn't he do his best work when Adam was sleeping? We got, you know, he woke up and he saw this being. Woo. Woo. And he was like, whoa, man. Woman, 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 you. Woman. Right? You know when he did his best work, his most magnificent thing he's created when Adam was sleeping. He wants to lead you to rest, by the way, so he can do some work in your life. And it's not that we don't have responsibilities and deadlines and duties. But you know what the problem becomes? It's when you take on God's responsibilities as your own. And now you're not just trying to do 
what you can do. You're trying to do what only God can do. And anytime you're trying to do what only God can do, you will find yourself exhausted and full of anxiety. Those shoes are too big for you to put on. They're too big for you to fill. And so as you're sleeping and you're worried about tomorrow, you need to say, hey, that is God's job. I will not worry about tomorrow. Matthew 6, tomorrow has enough worries of its own. I'm going to find rest. I'm going to trust my shepherd. No sheep gives a shepherd a to-do list. Imagine a sheep. Hey, don't forget this. Don't forget that. Are you going to feed us today? When are we going here? Did you pay the school fees? Are we getting groceries tonight? Did you pay? No. Sheep just trust blindly. That's why they can rest in the green pastures. That is our job, church. We're the sheep. We're not the shepherds. And so when our minds can't rest, this is our job. We've got to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm following something else. I follow you. You're the good shepherd. It's yours. I'm putting it in your hands, and I'm resting. You do your most magnificent work while I rest. And as you and I lead or follow the shepherd who's leading us, we will find rest. Second thing in verse 2, Psalm 23, 2, it says, and he leads me besides quiet waters. Everyone say quiet waters. You know, sheep love quiet waters. In fact, they can't function, I'm told, around white waters where there's turbulence or churning or bubbles or foam or streaming or rapids. They need quiet waters. Otherwise, they don't eat. They don't function. You know, the opposite of quiet waters is it's turbulence. And so what does God want to offer us? As we follow the true shepherd, one of the things he gives us, in fact, is peace. Everyone say peace. This is a byproduct, by the way, of following the shepherd. He gives you peace. Peace. And I love this picture of these waters, these quiet waters, because where Jesus would come and Jesus would teach us that he, in fact, is the river of living water. And that if we drink from him, we will not thirst anymore. And so when you start putting that together, you realize the reason I have no peace is I'm drinking from the wrong fountain. I am under the delusion that something else can satisfy my soul and nothing else can but Jesus Christ. And when you look to the world and everything the world has and all those people and all those solutions and you think that will fix me, that will make me happy, that will give me security, that will make me feel loved, and none of it's Jesus Christ, you will have no peace because there's only one river that gives you peace and his name is Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself tells us this. He says in John 14, 27, that I am leaving you with a gift. It's a gift. It's a present. It's yours. Open it. He says, this is a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. It cannot give it, church. So don't be troubled or afraid. Drink from Jesus. I want you to think about the places right now you don't have peace because most likely you're looking for the solution or the answer in something other than Jesus. But when he becomes your solution and you say, Jesus, you're the answer. I'm drinking from you. Guess what? You get a peace beyond understanding. Sometimes even in circumstances that don't make sense, you still have peace. People look at you and they're confused. Shouldn't you be anxious now? Shouldn't you be worried? Why are you not crying? Didn't you hear what happened? No. Jesus is the answer and I still have him. So I'm okay. He gives you peace. Fourth thing that he does as we follow him as our shepherd, verse 3, it says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. You know, Scripture will teach us something about our makeup. We're not just one thing. We have this body, yes, but we also have a spirit and we have a soul. 
We have the spirit man that scripture tells us, by the way, is already perfect. There is a part of you that is already perfect. How cool is that? Some of you knew that already. You're like, there must be part of me that's like already perfect, right? Well, there is. You're right. It's your spirit. At your salvation, your spirit was made one with Christ. It was fully redeemed. It was made a new creation. The old things have gone. The new things have come. You are now a spiritually, you're spiritually joined with Christ and seated in heavenly places. You are fully, fully saved. There's no more work needing to be done in your spirit if you're a Christian. But you're not just a spirit or a body. You also have a soul. And your soul is the seed of your thinking, your thoughts, your emotions, your personality, your conscience. And your soul sometimes needs restoring. You know why? Because life beats us up. We go through trials and hardship and disappointment and failure and sin and strife and unforgiveness. Man, this stuff just beats up your soul. And then you look at Psalm 23 and it tells me that my shepherd, he's in the soul restoring business. Do you know that Jesus wants to restore your soul? And I don't care how broken you are sitting here today. There's nothing that Jesus can't fix. Someone wrote this. says, by a carpenter, mankind was made. And only by a carpenter can we be remade. There is nothing within you that God cannot remake. And maybe you're sitting here and you're mentally broken. Maybe you have a psychological disorder. Maybe you're mentally ill. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're worried. Maybe you have no control of your thinking anymore. But guess what? He restores your soul. He restores. He's committed. If you follow him, he's committed. He's committed, church, to restoring the area of your mind and your emotions and your personality and your conscience. All it takes for you. You don't have to do the fixing. You just have to do the following. All it takes for you to say, God, I'm going to follow you blindly. Wherever you lead me, I will follow you so that you can restore my soul. And guess what he does then? Then he gives you the ministry to restore other people. Do you know that we are in the restoration business? That when people fall and, and they, they fall down and they get lost in sin or they get hooked on drugs or they mess up their lives or they do something extreme, we can restore them. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, dear brothers and sisters, If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly what? Help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. God is a God of restoration and he wants you to be part of that ministry too. He wants you to restore. You know, when Jesus is teaching early on about a sheep, he actually tells a story about this shepherd who leaves in 99 and goes to find the one. And I read someone say, that makes no sense. Like what shepherd would leave 99 to go find one? Well, it makes no sense until that one is you. <laughs> when that one is you, I promise you, church, it makes a lot of sense. And you're so grateful that we have a God who will do that journey. He will take that trip. He'll do it for you. He's into restoring your soul. And I... Maybe you, you feel so hopeless with your brokenness, but I want to restore hope today because Jesus Christ is a good shepherd and he restores souls. And no matter what you're struggling with, there is hope. No matter what anxiety or depression or worry or, or disability, whatever you've been diagnosed with, there is hope. He restores your soul. Follow the shepherd. Not only do we get provision 
and rest and peace. Not only do we get restoration, but the final promise in the field. In verse 3 it says, He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Do you know that as we follow God, we get guidance. Everyone say guidance. As we focus on Him, He guides us. This is one of the promises of following the Good Shepherd. We get guidance. And I love this because I think it's needed. Church, I don't know if there's ever been a time in history where the world is so loudly trying to dictate what we think and how we think it. It's so pushing. This is the norm. If you want to be accepted and if you don't want to be canceled and if you want to think the right thing, you've got to think this. And if you're not thinking this, in this way it's wrong, right? I don't think the world's ever tried to push us to its societal norms like it's doing now. But here's the thing about societal norms. They change all the time. I'm, I've only been a, around for 39 years. I've only got like two more weeks that I can say that, right? <laughs> but, let me just say this, probably the last time in my sermon. As a man in my 30s. <laughs> no, not late, just 30s. As a man in my 30s, I haven't been around a long time. And in my short life, I can tell you this, I've seen the societal norms change a lot. What when I was growing up was unacceptable is now acceptable. And what was then acceptable is now unacceptable. It's like completely, so much has changed. And the societal norms of this world will continue to change. You cannot hit your beliefs on them because your beliefs will keep changing. The only thing that has stood the test of time and never changed is God's word. And this word will always endure. It will be there into eternity. And you and I can hitch our beliefs on here knowing that this is truth because truth doesn't change, church. And as, we guide, as he guides us, it says, he leads us on the path of righteousness, right living, the right way to live. God is concerned about you living the right way because he invented life. And by the way, as a creator, he's the only one who knows the right way to live. And so he wants to guide you in paths of righteousness, in paths of right living. He wants to be your guide. And so this is the good news. You have a guide living with you. Isn't this good? Because as a pastor, one of the things that people come to me about probably the most is, what's God's will for my life? They want to know. Tell me, how do I discover God's will? What is God's purpose for my life? I want to know. Well, <laughs> the truth is, like I know people come and they're hoping for a formula and for me to say, okay, memorize these three verses, come to church 38 times, sing those four songs, and it will arrive. It will appear. It's not how it works. That is not how we find the guidance of God. You know what we do? We realize we mustn't be so obsessed about the guidance that we miss the guide. The guide, by the way, if you are saved and filled with the Spirit, He's living in you. You have the guide. Now, just ask him for the next step. That's all we need. Holy Spirit, lead me. You're in me. The, the solution isn't there. Some of those people and that thing and that organization, that ministry, that pastor. No, the solution is here. The God is in you. He's in you. Yeah, imagine you were taking a journey to like some other country. Maybe, I don't know, you plan to visit London. What would you prefer? Would you prefer to, for someone to like print out a list of do's and don'ts? And when you get there, it tells you these instructions, wait for this train and look for this color and go on that number and 
da 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 and, and you had this thing that you'd try like figure out and read? Or would you like someone who's in London, who lives there and comes from there, to say, hey, mate, like, let me show you around. Let me ask you to guide you, man, and you just like follow the person and look here and look here. What would you want? I would want that guy. Well, the good news is, church, you have that guy. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And he's your guide and he's in you. And God will not withhold his guidance from you. Can I say that again? God will not withhold his guidance from you. Some of you, you're waiting for that final picture when he's already shown you the next step. He is your shepherd, and as you follow him, you find guidance, and he leads you on the path of right living. Just take the next step. You know what it is. Take the next step. He wants to guide you on the path of right living. He is your guide. Church, here's the truth. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He leads me to lie down in green pastures. And he guides me beside his still waters. He guides me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. When we follow him, you know what we have? Prosperity, peace, rest, restoration. We have guidance. So maybe you're looking at those five things and saying, well, I need, I need some of those things. I don't feel like I have peace. I have no rest. I have no guidance. Well, here's a question that I want to ask in closing. If you don't have that in your life, you've got to ask the hard question, who am I following? Who are you following that's led you to anxiety, that's led you to stress, that's led you to worry and over-busyness? Who, who are you following? Who are you following? Because the Lord is my shepherd. And when I follow him, I have all that I need. He leads me. He guides me, he restores me, he provides for me. I am not lost. And maybe you're listening to these things and you say, I need that peace. I'm so worried. I need some of that rest. I'm so anxious. I need some of that guidance. I feel so lost. I need this restoration. I feel so broken. I need that provision. I'm in such desperate need. While the good news is the Lord is your shepherd and he's a good shepherd. He's just waiting for you to follow him. So follow him. If that's what you need, follow him. And he will lead you there. Follow him. Trust him. Follow him blindly. Do what he says. Believe what he's written. And you will find what you need. Everything you need. Can I pray for you? God, I want to pray for your sheep. Wherever they are. Whether they're listening here or in another building, another place. I thank you, God. You know each one. You love each one. You would go on a journey to find each one, Lord. There's no one hidden from you. Father God, I want to pray for everyone in need. May they follow you and find provision. For everyone in anxiety, may they follow you and find rest. For everyone who's overwhelmed by burdens, may they follow you and find peace. For everyone who's struggling with brokenness, may they follow you and find restoration. For everyone that feels lost, may they follow you right now and find guidance. Holy Spirit, I pray you reveal right now in this room, reveal to people what they're following that's not of you. The thought patterns of this world that are not of you. 
the opinions of men and women that are not of you. What they're following, God, the people that they're following, the people that they're mimicking their lives after that are not of you, God, the people that are leading them away from those green pastures and still waters. God, today we want to follow you. We want to follow you, our good shepherd. We believe you are good. You are not holding out on us. You're good. In fact, maybe that's a prayer you want to pray. Just quietly, wherever you are. Maybe you want to just say, God, I'm following you. Following you. You are my shepherd. You're the one I look to. I look to no one else and nothing else. I follow you. God, thank you that your word is so alive. Even 3,000 years after it's written, it speaks to us today because your word is so alive. It's living and it's active. I pray that it would accomplish in our lives whatever you have set it out to do. And I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church.